Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, the Lakers injury updates. LeBron James has been ruled out again, but will Anthony Davis play? Our insiders have the latest. And bing bong, the Knicks keep rolling. Stephen A. Smith live on New York's big win over the 76ers. Plus, is the MVP Steph's to lose? Another big night for the Warriors star as he makes his case for number three. NBA Today starts right now. Happy Wednesday, folks. This is NBA Today, your new home for the NBA on ESPN. I'm Malika Andrews. That's Chenea Gumake. Ramona Shelburne is here with us as well. Stephen A. Smith will be on momentarily. And Tim Legler is going to join us later in the show. And we'll have plenty to talk about, especially LeBron James, who's been ruled out for the second straight game tonight when the Lakers play the Thunder. So, Ramona... What's the latest on LeBron? Well, Malika, he went on this trip hoping that he would try to be able to play in one of these games, but he's being very cautious. This is the same ankle that cost him 26 games last year. Right. And it's not the same area that he got hurt last year. It's not the same part of the ankle, but he's being very cautious uh, in sitting at the second day of the back-to-back here. So LeBron James out tonight. Anthony Davis, we saw him go down last night, but eventually returned to the game. What can you tell us about AD's status for yeah, tonight? He's going to be listed as questionable. He, he banged knees. They're calling it like a knee contusion. Um, but if I had a guess, I would say he does not play today. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to push this second night of a back-to-back. They need to be careful with him. Well, and, and Frank Vogel said about LeBron James, not about Anthony Davis, but this is a marathon that they are trying to yep. get through. Chanae, what does this bring up for you? This brings up another big night for the Brody, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> especially back-to-backs in OKC, feeling yeah. good, coming off of, what, 33-10-8. And, eight. and mm. so I think he's capable to show that they can galvanize around him. His energy was contagious. Yep. And so I think it'll be interesting. This is why they return. got him, to yep. have another star when LeBron's not able to go. Absolutely. And the Lakers are 1-0 without LeBron this season and here's how they got it done last night versus the Spurs. LeBron James was not in action but you see him on the court. Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis would have to step up. So fast forward to the good part. The fourth quarter. Russ finds Anthony Davis. Davis hits the mid-range jumper. Davis had 35 points and 17 rebounds. So about a minute to play. Lakers up by one. Malik Monk pulls up. I mean, from Cares. where? The three. He started Logo. for LeBron and had 17 points. The Lakers up by two. Jakob Pertle <laughs> misses the free throw, but watch Anthony Davis here. Anthony Davis stays down. He's still down underneath the basket. DeJounte Murray finds Bates D up for the layup. Spurs tie the game here, but Anthony Davis is still down grabbing his knee, but he ends up staying in the game here. So we're heading to overtime. Less than 10 seconds to play. Murray. Not quite. So we are headed to overtime here. Can't quite tie it. Headed to overtime at 114. Midway through OT, Lakers up. Westbrook, he drives. Look at this. Ferocious slam attacking the rim. And Russ is fired up after this. The Lakers are up by six now. Look at that flex. So under a minute to play, Lakers leading by two. 
Westbrook uses the Davis screen, makes a layup in traffic, and LeBron likes what he sees. Westbrook had 33 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. The Lakers win it 125-121. I told Russ, you know, I said whether I'll play, Bron play, you know, who, you know, we don't play, it doesn't matter. You still got to be yourself, and he did that tonight. Um, the way he played tonight was incredible, um, and we need that from him every night. You know, especially with Bron being out, um, we understand that. Uh, with that comes responsibility of making guys around us better. Uh, and tonight, I thought AD did a great job with just being aggressive all night, missing makes, um, finishing well around the basket. Um, it was big for us tonight. So Russ picked up the playmaking slack without LeBron. Westbrook was the ball handler on 48 pick plays, including 27 with Anthony Davis as a screener. That's as many pick plays as the duo ran in the first three games combined. And Westbrook also has increased his number of drives in every game this season. So for more on the Lakers, we bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Stephen A. Smith, making his NBA hey, hey. Today debut. Hey, Stephen A. It was hey, hey. the Russell Westbrook show in San Antonio last night. Stephen A., what did you see from Russ in this breakout game for the Lakers? Nothing, really. I mean, I think that a lot of people are making a big deal out of it. I need to say nothing. And the reason why is because what hasn't Russell Westbrook done before in terms of this kind of play? He scored 33 points. Is that a surprise? He had about 10 rebounds. Is that a surprise? He had about 8 assists. Is that a surprise? The man is a walking triple-double. We know what he can do. The suspense involving Russell Westbrook isn't in this point rebound or assist production as an individual star in this league. It's whether or not he can register those kind of results with both Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the floor with him. Hmm. The fact that LeBron James was out is why I say what I say about Russell Westbrook. I'm not talking about him. We know he's great future Hall of Famer. He's phenomenal. What we're saying is the suspense involving Russell Westbrook in a Lakers uniform is what can he do with both of them on the floor? Because if the Lakers are going anywhere, both of them are going to have to be on the floor with Russell Westbrook and what he's able to do in terms of ingratiating himself with them as teammates in terms of chemistry, that's going to decide the fate of the Los Angeles Lakers. Interesting. So we're not going to see that tonight because we know that LeBron James has already been ruled out, but we've seen a few different versions of the Lakers this season, and it's early. But what do you think is the best version of Los Angeles, Stephen A.? Well, to me, as far as I'm concerned, it still includes Russell Westbrook. All this noise about, hey, you know, let him come off the pitch. He's Russell Westbrook. He starts and finishes every game throughout his career. And then all of a sudden, his 12th year in the league with him being uh, one of the top 75 players in NBA history, a surefire first ballot future Hall of Famer, a walking triple-double. All of a sudden, we're going to tell, talk to him about coming off the bench. It's not going to happen. We all know that's not going to happen. So it's really about looking at him, looking at Anthony Davis, looking at little LeBron James. And then I say to myself, excuse me, Malik Monk, let his confidence elevate or uh, elevate to some degree and that could definitely be a plus and Carmelo Anthony I think Carmelo Anthony is going to be a key component with the Los Angeles Lakers this year because he's a perimeter threat obviously he didn't show that last night he showed that the game before though when he dropped 28 in the end what it comes down to is that you're going to have to leave Melo open when you're talking about Anthony Davis LeBron James and Russell Westbrook on the floor together and I think that that could be an ingredient for success with the Los Angeles Lakers with those guys in the lineup together well, we've seen the Staples Center crowd just go crazy for Carmelo Anthony, so we know that they love him. But Stephen A., put on your, your Dr. Stephen A. hat for a second if you could. Sure, sure. How, how long, how cautious would you be with LeBron James and Anthony Davis here? 
Uh, it's, it's cautious with the case of Anthony Davis. Definitely cautious. I mean, bringing a surgeon, uh, I mean, a podiatrist, a masseuse. <laughs> I mean, everything. But give him everything he needs because the one impediment to his success has been his durability. In the case of LeBron James, trust him. Listen to him. This is a guy that takes phenomenal care of his body. He's constantly, constantly monitoring himself in terms of making sure that he's in peak condition. And he's proven over the years, not only that he's durable, but that he's trustworthy. He knows his body better than anybody else. So you listen to him and let him guide you as to when he deems himself ready and when he doesn't. But we all know that this Lakers team is assembled for playoff action. Carmelo's 37, LeBron's 36, Russell Westbrook is 32, going on 33. Anthony Davis has been in the league for a while. We know Rondo's been in the league for a while. This is a team that's built for the postseason, not the regular season. So it's not important for them to be a top two or three seed. They could be a fourth or fifth seed. It does not matter. As long as they're healthy, they're a legitimate threat, and we all know that. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right, Stephen A.? But I, I appreciate right. you putting, it, putting your doctor's hat on for a little bit. Thank you for coming on, but will, will you stick around for me, and, and do you want to talk a little about Knicks in a little bit? Hey, listen, listen, it's you and the ladies, Janae, and, and I mean, come on now. All y'all, of course, Ramona, I mean, I'm, I'm here for y'all. I'm here for y'all. Oh, well, wait, can I get a little bit of a bing bong? Have we, have we, have we seen that going around? Bing bong. Yeah, you know, no, 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 there no. you go. Here's what I'll give you. Here's what I'll give you. We here. Oh. I'm in New York. We here. Well, I'll we give you that. We here. We have we to here. come back for that, Stephen A. Yes. I appreciate you. Yes. So we have more to talk about with the Lakers, though. We have spent some time talking about LeBron, Russ, AD, and even Carmelo, but Janae. You were focused on somebody else. Who was that? It's Malik Monk. And you know, I was just thinking about this Lakers game and I kept thinking about luck. As athletes, you create your own luck. But by definition, luck is where preparation meets opportunity. And Malik Monk is a perfect example of this. We knew AD is capable of having MVP caliber games. We knew Russ was capable of having MVP caliber games. But you create your own luck, especially in a role like Malik wow. Monk did last night with his shooting ability. Y'all, I love it. Every LeBron James championship team has a shooter role player that comes and performs at a high level. And this three was it. That's what basically, you know, they were down to. Uh, yeah, down to, I think, and then, or they got the two-point lead, you know, after he knocked down this three. I love that Rondo was able to, you know, know his role. He was the only non-shooter on the floor during that time period. Set a nice little screen, freed him up. It takes a lot of confidence and a little bit of luck to be able to feel good enough to, you know, hit that dagger shot. Malik Monk, his start to the year, he was plus 31. Wow. In 39 minutes, plus minus, plus 31 in 39 minutes, he's created his own luck pretty much for the Lakers, and that helps him especially with LeBron James out. And you're going to need to get those others going, as you mentioned, create that space on the floor, and Malik Monk has certainly stepped into that role, especially with some guys being injured that we thought maybe we were going to see yeah. earlier this season. So they're looking pretty good. As mentioned, the Lakers in OKC tonight off tomorrow and then back in Staples Center on Friday night versus the Cleveland Cavaliers to start a four-game homestand. So coming up on NBA Today, Stephen A. Smith is back. You heard him. He said we here to talk about his <laughs> beloved Knicks and we get the latest on Joel Embiid's knee injury. And the Warriors remain undefeated. So Tim Legler tells you why this version of Steph might be the best version of Steph we've ever oh, wow. seen. Plus, Jaw looks to end Dame Time Night in Portland, so we go all access with the Grizzlies' young superstar. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup. 
blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. So we are in Los Angeles, but let's head to MSG for 76ers versus the Knicks. The 76ers and Joel Embiid at Madison Square Garden to take on the Knicks. Embiid, he was struggling early. First possession of the game here. Embiid gets double teamed. Air ball. Later in the first, Embiid off the pick and roll here. Misses. Embiid was 0 for 5 from the field in the first half. That's the fourth time in his career without a field goal in the first half. So then, while Embiid was struggling, the Knicks were red hot. Julius Randle from the left wing. He hits it. Evan Fournier off the inbound pass. And yeah, you guessed it. He hits it. Then we're midway through the second quarter. The Knicks up by six. Emmanuel quickly. That is filthy. He crosses over Tyrese Maxey and hits the three. Kentucky on Kentucky right there. Take another look at this because quickly, as he's coming back, he points to the spot on the ground where he made the crossover. Spike Lee loves it. The Knicks led by 20 at half. Third quarter, Kemba Walker three. Walker had a team high 19 points and the Knicks win 112-99. It was the kind of moment I've dreamed of when I was a young kid, um, you know, wanting to be in the NBA, you know, watching the Knicks play, you know, coming to, you know, a Knicks game and seeing how the crowd goes crazy. And that, was a, that was a great moment for me. One of my favorite parts about New York is the tabloid back pages. Look at the daily news. Bing bong, the skid is dead. So that's become a rallying cry around New York now. And when the producers asked me who I wanted to talk to about the Knicks today, I had only one answer. And he's here because we here. Stephen A. Smith. We here. We here. We here. So what's your assessment of the Knicks this year after last night? Well, first of all, I'm very, very pleased. Number one, um, they're getting, listen, their offense is one of the top three offenses in the game. They've got two victories already this season against Boston and Philadelphia. That's within their division. Let's give them props for that. They lost, they lost one Orlando. They shouldn't have lost after beating up on Orlando, uh, the, you know, a couple of nights earlier. In the end, they're a three and one team. Uh, and I'm looking at them right now. I know their defense is going to be even better. Uh, now that Mitchell Robinson is back in the lineup and Tom Thibodeau is still their coach. But I'm most pleased with what I'm seeing offensively. They got a backcourt now outside of Derrick Rose that actually can create their own shots. Fournier and obviously Kemba Walker can create a shot off the dribble. They can hit mid-range shots. They can hit long-range shots. They showed that last night yet again by hitting the combining the hit 10 threes. This is a team to be reckoned with. There's a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that have improved. The New York Knicks are one of them. And I'm loving what I'm seeing right now. I'm very excited. And the only thing I have to say other than that is we here. And I think we're we, we here. I yeah. think we might be. I think we might be yeah. hearing that from you a little bit more. We here. That's I like right. that. So That's on the right. other here. side of the ball, Stephen A. They they weren't yeah. here. The Sixers were struggling. Losses to the yeah. two good teams they played, the Knicks and the Nets. So what are you seeing from the Sixers team? Well, I'm very alarmed from the standpoint. Number one, I'm not really alarmed by Joel Embiid because Mitchell Robinson and those boys was in there. He went without a field goal in the first half. His heart didn't seem in the playing too much last night, and we got to monitor that, of course. But I think the absence of Ben Simmons is is proven to be profound. 
This is an all-star caliber player, an all-world defensive player, incredibly athletic, ability to create shots for other people, and he's not in your lineup right now. That calls upon Tobias Harris and Maxie and others to really, really step up, and Seth Curry as well, and be an offensive force, and that might not be in their repertoire on a night-in, night-out basis. What you look at when you see the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm sick and tired of seeing Doc Rivers explain something about Ben Simmons. I said it last week, and then Daryl Morey came out and did an interview with my man Mike Missanelli in Philadelphia, but then after that he disappeared again. Daryl Morey is the one that needs to be answering questions about Ben Simmons. We're hearing that you know what, we're in a good place and we're making progress. Well, what the hell does that mean? Because at the end of the day, when you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, you're looking at Brooklyn, you're looking at Milwaukee, you're looking at Miami, you're looking at Chicago, you're looking at all of these teams, okay? And of course the New York Knicks as well. Teams are improving. What's going to happen to Philly if they just stand pat and Daryl Morey doesn't pull the trigger on something to get Joel Embiid, Doc Rivers, and the rest of the crew additional help? That's where the focus needs to be in Philadelphia right now. Mm. Daryl Morey's a big-time executive. We know this. Show us, remind us of that by doing something in Philly with Ben Simmons instead of standing still. Something needs to be done, and I think that much is obvious. So you're saying don't get left behind. Don't, don't sleep and get left behind. Don't get, get left behind. Well, no. Do you want one more? We here, Stephen A. We here. <laughs> we here. I mean, that's still, Philadelphia got that issue. I'm in New York City. We here. There you we go. Here. Thank and you, I'm Stephen A. Really appreciate you Alrighty. stopping by. All right. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Don't miss NBA countdown seven o'clock Eastern right here on ESPN. But Stephen A. mentioned that Joel Embiid, the big man, he finished with 14 points. He's only two for seven from the field. And here's what he said about his play early in the season. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. I don't think I'll play like this. I've missed the start of the season and um, any stretch in my career, so I'm going to keep pushing and hope for the best. I do think not time done too passive, um, but he's also, you know, I want to get, you know, my guys going. I got to give them a confidence uh, to, you know, believe in themselves and, you know, make shots. That's been my mentality, kind of figuring out, you know, how to be point center. You know, I'm going to keep working and I'm definitely going to get better. So that's not going to last long. Now welcoming in senior writer Ramona Shelburne, who has been extensively covering the Sixers. So after Embiid's performance last night, I want to start on where he is physically, Ramona. Well, I mean, what are you hearing? Stephen A. said, I'm not sure his heart was in it. I, I, don't, I think his heart's in it. Mm. I don't think his knee is. We have to go all the way back to the first game of the season when he bumps into Jonas Valanciunas in a game against the New Orleans Pelicans. You can see right here. He just knocks knees there, Ooh, yep. goes down, grabs his knee. That is the same knee, Malika, that he hurt in the in the postseason last year. Plagued him all throughout the postseason. He did not have surgery on that knee after the season. Didn't think he needed it, but it, it is prone to situations like this. And he told me after this game in, in New Orleans, he couldn't walk for two days. But he still went out and played in Oklahoma City, and obviously he played against the Knicks and yeah. the Nets. So 
why is he playing then? Well, he's playing because Ben Simmons is not playing. And they need one of them on the court. He wants to show leadership at this moment because, as you say, you don't want to fall behind to where you cannot come back. But, look, he's settling for a mid-range game that he doesn't have right now. Okay? The idea with Embiid is he has not... He lost out on the MVP last year because he didn't play quite enough games. He doesn't want to do that again this year, but if he's going to play like this, where his knee's not there, it's not under him, he can't get by people, he's not moving well on the court, there is a sense that maybe he should sit a game or two to get that knee right because it's a meniscus injury. It was flared up after the knocking knees with, with Valanciunas. And they play the Pistons tomorrow. There's a sense maybe he plays a couple of minutes, he goes 25, 26 minutes uh, to get them off to a good start or sit down for a game or two to get that knee right because he's trying to show leadership. It's by being out there, but sure. at some point, you're not going to win an MVP if you're playing like that. Right, and it's a give-or-take balance, right? Yep. You have to show leadership, but you also need to be good for your Correct. team on the floor. So now let's get to Ben Simmons. And when we last spoke, you said that things were moving in the right direction for Simmons and the Sixers, and the team had stopped finding him. So, Ramona, where does that stand today? Well, they're still moving in a positive direction. He's worked out with the team in, the, in individual workouts the last couple of days. And he's also engaged with mental health professionals that he's been associated through with the NBA Players Association. Now, we talked about this on Monday. The team has stopped finding him. He has been paid his salary this season. And so this is not affecting him financially right now, except for the fines that were levied during the couple of weeks that he was off, which it was about $2 million. But think, but he is showing up to work at the, at the practice facility and going through individual workouts and doing what he needs to do off the court uh, with mental health professionals arranged through the Players Association. And I'm told that this work actually has been taking place since the summer mm. with mental health professionals. But this is, we've now, just in the last week or so, it's kind of, he's it's been more public about that. Okay, so that's where we stand on Joel Embiid, on his health, and Ben Simmons on his health in potentially a different way. Thank you so much, Ramona. And now... We get to take it to the court with Tim Legler making his NBA Today debut. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Always my pleasure to talk to you, Malika. This Good to is be gonna on. be fun, Tim. What is the impact that Simmons' absence is having on the Sixers offense? Yeah, I mean, they're just, they lack playmaking. And for all of Ben Simmons' issues with his shooting, his confidence, the way he processed the scoring opportunities, he's been criticized a lot for that. But this is a playmaker. And when you look at the way they're operating their offense now, Tyrese Maxey's a nice young player. I really like him. He's got a bright future. He is not a pure point guard. And he's in that spot right now. I think he's a combo guard off the bench if you're really a contender. Even a guy like Shake Milton, who's not out there, is a similar player to Maxey. So now what happens offensively, Embiid feels more like he has to be the guy that isolates. He catches the ball in bad places on the floor, holds it a little bit longer than he did. And now he leads to turnovers. It leads to transition going the other way. Even the guys that are playing backup point guard right now, Furkan Korkmaz, Seth Curry, both really good NBA players, really good shooters, critical to this team. They are not pure point guards, particularly Korkmaz, who has become basically their backup point guard. So you see their offense bogged down, and there's just not a lot of easy playmaking to be had and Joel Embiid is the guy that benefits more than anybody else from that so when you look at what happened in the Nets game when they broke down offensively in the fourth quarter couldn't get quality possessions and blow that big lead you look at the way they played last night when they got their doors blown off by the Knicks and they never really mounted a run because they're lacking that playmaking so for, for the Sixers right now you look at this saying you took an all-star caliber player off the floor 
and we haven't replaced them with anything. How long can this situation go on before something is going to give? Because you're asking an awful lot out of Joel Embiid, and I thought he looked very frustrated last night. His body language wasn't great. Mm, yeah, that's interesting, Tim. The Sixers host the Pistons tomorrow night. And Tim, can you please stick around? Because after the break, after a triple-double 45-point game and a perfect start to the season, Tim, will you show us how Steph Curry is re-establishing his MVP impact at age 33 as NBA Today rolls on? You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. It starts with the head of the snake, um, with Curry, him and Green together. You know, those guys are kind of like jazz musicians out there. And that is another ATO. That's what you call gravity of the defense. Found him like that, you better not be slacking. And Curry with a three. The quick passing back and forth, Curry and Draymond Green. Shoot it with confidence then. Draymond Green with the three. And the Warriors are going to move to 4-0. and Jazz musician Steph is doing Steph things once again this year. He's averaging 29 points per game, which is on pace to be the third best in his career, and 8.3 rebounds per game, which would be a career high by far. Curry leads the league in total three-pointers made and is shooting 96% from the line. So we now welcome back in Tim Legler and Legs. The Warriors got the win, and Steph had just a pedestrian night by his standards in the box score, but show us how he was still able to impact the game out there. Yeah, Maliga, he's rolled back the clock to 2015. This is the Steph Curry pre-KD arrival in Golden State. And there's just nobody quite like him in terms of the number of people he engages defensively, both directly and also in terms of watching him. And here's a perfect example. He drags two. He has done his job. This is 40 feet from the basket. He takes two guys all the way to the sidelines. And look what it leads to on the weak side. You get Iggy slip into the middle, wing, then middle. And now you've got to decide to make on the weak side. You've got three offensive players against two defenders. So now it's just a matter of make the simple pass. They do. Otto Porter's the recipient of a wide open three. And there's a critical turning point in the game. Another example. Steph comes down a transition. This time he's in the middle, but look at how many guys are worried about him. Not only the two initial guys on the dribble handoff, but look at Dort also at the top. His eyes are on Steph Curry and as a result, he's late getting back to the play. Ball goes middle and again, it's simple ABC back basketball to the weak side to Otto Porter. So those two threes back to back, that's when Golden State started to get separation in this game. On a night when Oklahoma City really outplayed them for three quarters, it's Steph Curry's magnetism, right? The gravitational pull of occupying defenders, making guys communicate, and what it leads to for other people. This roster has a lot of role players right now that are playing like impact players, and it's because of Steph Curry. Well, it sounds like you're, you're a little high on planet Steph and his MVP chances. Am I, am I reading that right, Tim? You certainly are. Listen, they asked me to pick one before the season, Malika, because that's what we do around here. And I said, I'm going to go with Luca 
But you know what? This is why I never went on blind dates. I like to see it before I have to make a prediction. Okay, so now that I've seen it four games in, I'm looking at Steph Curry and I'm looking at their roster. And it is really a bunch of role players right now around this star waiting on Klay Thompson. If they stay in the top four even in the Western Conference and then Klay comes back and they solidify now themselves as a title contender and Steph Curry puts up these numbers, I think Steph Curry's your front runner for MVP if this keeps up. Interesting. Well, we won't tell Luka Doncic that you didn't swipe on him because you're coming back and talking more about him <laughs> later in the show. Thank you so much, Tim. We'll talk to you in just a little bit. You got it. All right, so we're just over a week into the season, and just three undefeated teams still remain. The 4-0 Bulls, the Warriors, and the 3-0 Jazz. And Chicago is 4-0 for the first time since winning titles in 96 and 97, while Golden State is 4-0 for the first time since winning 24 straight games to begin the 2015-16 season. So you know what time it is. You know what time it is. It is time for the top of the top. It was a, a light night in the association, but we still have you covered with all of the best plays. So let's start with top handles. That's Emmanuel quickly. Ooh. I mean, that was, that's wrong. Drop somebody. That's wrong. Look at this. Yeah. He just oh, died. that was a little trick there. Like Tyrese, this is Kentucky on Kentucky crime right there. And, and I'll tell him What do you think of the celebration? He points to the I like that. Hey, you saw that? Yeah. I like, like that. I wanted to I like make that. sure. She's like just that. flying across over once he's her full <laughs> outfit today. That's just. You're, you're like, you're it's like, that's shoes. your point. I mean, <laughs> I would celebrate like that too. All right, so next we got top offhand, and that's Andrew Wiggins. Take a look at this. Flies in. Oh, lefty. Oh, with the left. Oh, lefty there. You know what I love about this? The volleyball roll at the end. But yeah, the left is hard to gather, but it was a nice little grab. Aggressive. Remember we learned from Vince yesterday. Right. Don't cock it too far back. He stayed in his range. Pretty. Exactly. I mean, he made that look good. He made And high-fiving with the left. Yeah, see? Maybe he's just he's going to be left-handed for a little bit now. All right, we have top and one. That's Jakob Pertl, the pick-and-roll action. Check this out. All right. Pass. Mm -hmm. Oh! Hey. I like that. Oh. I like that on the Brody, too. Ah. Oh, my goodness. What do you think? It's a smart business decision not to hang on the rim. Right. I think it's like, Let's get in, hit, it, out. hit it and quit it. So do you think that would, Vince would no. move it? No, no, oh. no. Upper room, he's not, not there yet. He's not, he's not no. making it into the upper no. room. All right, I think Vince might be proud on that one. His, his standard, as we learned yesterday, Very is high. high. It is upper. It is tippy, tippy top. <laughs> All right, Chanae, coming up on NBA Today, we've got a star-studded lineup of point guards on ESPN tonight. Trey, Ja, Dame, we break down everything you need to know heading into tonight's doubleheader. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. Fun ESPN doubleheader tonight with the Grizzlies visiting the Blazers at 10 Eastern. John Morant has scored 105 points in his first three games, including 40 
against the Lakers on Sunday, and no Grizzly has ever scored that many points through four games, and Ja has done it in three. But before that game, the Hawks visit the Pelicans at 7.30 Eastern, and Atlanta has leveled up on the defensive end, holding teams to 96.1 points per 100 possessions. That is second best in the NBA, and that can make for a tough night for the Pelicans team, who is the third worst offensive efficiency, and 30. That has been the magic number for Trey Young and the Hawks as Atlanta is 18 and 5 when Young goes for at least when he doesn't go for at least 30. That's compared to 20 and 23 when he scores 30 points or more. And Young is already the king of the super deep three. Trey knocked down 20 shots between 34 and 36 feet this for the first three seasons in the NBA. That is by far the most shots made from that distance by any player over the last 25 seasons. And that shot distance has been tracked for those 25 years. So Chanae, we're welcoming you back, my sister now. Chanae Gumake back with me on NBA Today. And Chanae, whenever we talk about the Hawks, it kind of feels like we talk about Trey Young, but yes. you think this Atlanta team She's like, yes, emphatically. <laughs> All right, tell me then why do you think it's more than just ice tray? It's a collective, but first I like this idea about Trey knocking down the deep three because guess what? He's so young at the age of 23 right here. He watched Dame for a little bit. He watched Steph. The game has changed and he's been able to make that his strength. Now look at the collective. There are a lot of great players that are under 25 or so. We instantly think of the Celtics, but we need to start thinking about the Hawks. Cam Reddish, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, a little bit older, Kevin Horder. So much better. Um, you know, I love this collective. They might be the most deep young team in the NBA under 25, top to bottom. Now, what they're able to do, I mean, they touch all aspects of the game when you get the dunks, when you get Ice Trey knocking it down. And I do love how last year he improved his game at the rim as well. I think that's going to be important, especially as a, young, a guy that's dealing with the new officiating and the three-point can't rely on them getting fouls. But again, it's this young core, this young collective. I think they're making an excellent point. Do not cancel or at least just say, oh, we don't know if these young guys are great just because they're not instant, what is it, instant oatmeal or instant, instant easy bake? Oatmeal. I don't know, whatever it is. Easy bake oven. They're not what? in an easy bake oven. Exactly. I think they're a great case of give them some time, allow them to cook, and now we're seeing the growth happen. They're going to be a great team in about, what do they say, a year away from being a year away, but they show that they have right. potential going off of last year. Now it's the next step, and it's going to take all of them. And that's when you get the grits extra creamy. So Amen. That's, that's what the Hawks are going to do. So this was a game that was supposed to feature two superstars, Cheney, Trey Young and Zion Williamson. But Zion has been out all season with a foot injury. And for more on that, I want to welcome in ESPN reporter Andrew Lopez. Andrew, what's the latest on Zion? Well, we're, we're still waiting. Less, uh, the foot injury that uh, has kept him out of the four games so far, he should have some scans either later this week or early next week that will give us the next step in where he's going, how that bone is healing, and if he's going to be able to take the next step in his conditioning. We saw him at practice yesterday doing a little bit of conditioning work. He was doing some this morning at shoot-around. That's the key moving forward as to when we'll finally see Zion make his regular season debut. Interesting. So we're going to get potentially a little bit more information when those images come back. So with Zion's foot injury hampering his mobility, how has his conditioning been moving along, Andrew? Yeah, that's been the key so far for, for where he's at. So far, he's still been doing the one-on-zero. He did start running about two weeks ago. Those are big steps for, for Zion as he gets back to where he needs to be. These next set of scans and, and where that bone is healing and how it's feeling, 
that's going to say, okay, now can he ramp up and start doing a little more and a little more. He's been doing his cardio the entire time. He's been doing pool work the entire time. But we all know conditioning and on-court uh, conditioning are a little bit different. So once they get him to ramp up on the court, then we'll see, you know, how close he gets to making his debut. Absolutely. So no Zion tonight, but we will see Trey Young out there. We will see you out there. Thank you so much for joining us, Andrew. No problem. I'm sure he will be back soon. As mentioned, the nightcap of our ESPN doubleheader is a star-studded affair. John Morant and the Grizzlies in Portland to take on Dame Lillard and the Blazers. Morant joined us in studio this week and is ready for the challenge of taking on a member of the NBA's 75th anniversary team. We gotta be able to hear each other. We're playing in front of thousands. We gotta be able to hear you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. You're considered one of the great guards already in this league. Melton. Wow. what you say about John Morant. He is special. The guy is really something special. How does playing against Damian Lillard, who's also considered one of, I mean, one of the top 75 greatest players, he was just named that list, how does that push you? We're talking about Dame. I feel like it's one of my favorite matchups. A uh, great player, uh, does a lot on the floor. I call him a four-level scorer because he shoots from the half court. Yeah. Uh, Telling him to get out of his way. matchups you know you just like to if you're a competitor you just like to you know go against somebody like that who you know is going to bring it every night uh, as far as me is prove myself that you know I'm a top guard in this league as well come on let's let's get in the habit of talking I feel like you know I just have to you know lead by example you know just show you know the younger guys the way how we work here with the Grizzlies Jaw has been as hot as Damian Lillard has been cold to start the season, but with Dame, I don't expect that to last. Morant is averaging over twice as many points as Lillard while making six more threes on six fewer attempts. So we shall see how Dame starts to heat back up tonight with Ja Morant in town. But coming up here on NBA Today, another young star with Luka and the Mavs. We'll talk to Tim McMahon about Luka's new leadership council. Keep it locked. It's the mac and cheese, Malik. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. People expect a lot from me. You gotta be concentrated for every game because you're trying to win every game. Here's Luca. It's gone! A Doncic dagger! Wow, what a pass by Doncic. There's the triple-double for Luca. I just trying to have fun with the game. That's when I best play, and that's that's my key. Luca's gotten off to a slow start from the three-point range, making just 22% of his shots from distance, but. 
that's always been the case for him. Just last year, he made only two of 16 threes through three games played. Doncic's all-around game is still on point, though. 11.3 rebounds and 8.7 assists per game. And with more on the Mavs, I want to welcome in my friend ESPN reporter Tim McMahon. Tim, Tuesday, the Mavs, they beat the Rockets handily, but this tweet from you, it, it stuck out. You tweeted that the Mavs played all 15 players at the request of the Dallas three-man leadership council. What, what can you tell us about that council? Well, the, first, they didn't want to tell us who was on the council. It's Luka Doncic, Chris Porzingis, and Tim Hardaway Jr. And obviously, that opened it up for the NBA Twitter jokesters, a lot of Jim Boylan Bowles references. <laughs> but look, this is a case where Jason Kidd took over a Mavericks team that really felt disconnected from the previous head coach, Rick Carlisle, you know, and especially that disconnection was with Luka Doncic, was with Kristaps Porzingis, and, you know, Kidd has his own history of kind of being perceived as a dictator uh, as a head coach, so he has made communication a priority. If they've got to sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya, the Mavericks are willing to do that because, again, communication is a priority, and pretty much in Dallas, if Luka thinks it's a good idea, it's a good idea, and as, as he says, talking solves problems, so he thinks this is a good idea. All right, so for right now, this is a good idea. Jason Kidd is three games in as the head coach of the Mavericks. So, Tim, how has the locker room responded to him? Yeah, and you, there's a lot of talk about, you know, a, a good vibe around this team. And, you know, the locker room, one real emphasis has been making Kristaps Porzingis feel like a priority again. He felt like a, a kind of a distant afterthought, not a co-star last year. And so they are trying to get Porzingis going. They're, they're putting him in a much more featured role offensively. Uh, but look, it wasn't personal with Rick Carlisle. He did not think Porzingis' mid-range game was efficient. He did not think his post-up game was efficient. The numbers bear that out. Jason Kidd has given him the green light so far. The numbers aren't pretty again, but you know they do want to make Porzingis feel like a priority. So they're kind of trying to figure out exactly what that looks like on the fly. Well, and we'll see if they can turn it around. Thank you so much, Tim. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Malika. All right, so we're going from one Tim right over to the other because I want to welcome back in Tim Legler. And we just heard Tim McMahon, and we got a locker room perspective. But from an on-court perspective, what have you seen from the Mavs thus far, Tim? Well, here's my worry about the Dallas Mavericks, and, and it's, it's taken a long time to get to this point, but you start to wonder, is this just basically the same show we watch every single night, and they haven't really addressed their personnel issues? Because I don't think Kristaps Porzingis and Tim Hardaway, no matter how much you feature Porzingis, those guys aren't offense creators. They're, they're finishers, and Porzingis is a unique talent with his length and his ability to stretch the floor, but you talk about the numbers early in the year, and they're trying to empower him, but you start to wonder, is the game there? Does he have the ability to do it night in, night out, and be more than just a guy that can catch and finish off plays from Luka Doncic? Same thing with Tim Hardaway, a very nice scorer in this league, but when you look at the teams that can actually win it, they're more loaded at the next spots, the two and three spot. And if I look at the Dallas Mavericks, they're still so dribble dependent, Malika, on Luka Doncic that when you watch them, there are some times when you just sort of see the air being dribbled out of the ball and given possessions, and there's a lot of stagnancy. Guys are more or less trying to get out of his way and play off of him and let him go when he wants to go. And the, the pace isn't great, and I think they get a little bit predictable in tight games. So 
as great as he is, and this is a guy that can be an MVP in this league one day, as great as he is, is that individual talent enough mm. when you look at their roster and the style of play that Luka brings to the court to really put them in that category where you can see them making a deep playoff run anytime soon, and I don't think they're good enough this year. Interesting. So critics in the offseason, they said, well, maybe the Mavs just didn't make enough changes. They didn't tweak their roster all that much, and we're seeing the same Mavs again. So wh what are you thinking at this point that their ceiling is? Yeah, look, I think they're a team that's going to be anywhere from that five through seven range probably in the Western Conference, and they're probably going to run into a team that's going to be hitting their stride at the right time, and they're going to be out in the first round. Luka Doncic is good enough to win any game in any playoff series, so he can keep you in a series. We've seen it. We saw what he did against the Clippers a couple years ago. He has that kind of ability, but you're going to get worn out over the course of a seven-game series against these top teams in the West because they can basically dictate their entire game game plan around defending one guy. I don't think teams fear Porzingis and Hardaway being have enough firepower to be able to beat them on a given night if you overload toward Lucas. So I think that is their ceiling. I think they're a first round playoff team and they're just not on the level of a team, well, obviously like the Lakers, but even like Utah, Phoenix, I think I'd put Denver ahead of them, particularly when they get finally healthy at the end of the year. I just think there's more upside, more firepower with some of these other rosters and Dallas decided to basically stand pat with who they had and this might be finally the season by the end of it when they realize they're going to have to get another star player that can get his own offense to play next to Luka Doncic. Mm, yeah, especially while they, they have a Luka who is so clearly in his superstar prime and only continuing to grow. Tim Langler, thank you so much for joining us. Just just text me. Let me, know, let me know what breakdown we're doing next on the next show because this was way too much fun to just do it once. You got it. You got it. You'll be the first to know. I appreciate you, my friend. All right, coming up on NBA Today, we're going to break down which games Chenea Gumake and Ramona Shelburne are most excited to see tonight. We'll take a look at the best games on the menu. Big 10-game schedule in the association tonight, highlighted by our ESPN doubleheader with the Hawks at the Pelicans and the Grizzlies at the Blazers. And elsewhere, the Heat visit the Nets in a battle of the East contenders. So, Ramona, which game are you most excited to see? I like that Heat game. I like the okay. Heat-Nets. Okay, Heat have the best defense in the league. Uh -huh. Nets have been 21st offensively. Yep. Mm, well, not a great team to get well against, but I think they play up to the competition. I, I think that's the Nets MO. All right, Chanae. Why are you stealing my answer? <laughs> I wanted he Nets, but for a different reason, okay? Because okay? of the point guard. She's like my Stanford sister. She's like, okay, I, she can always calm me down. I like the point guard battle. Kyle Lowry, an interesting addition to Miami. Yep. Brings that toughness, brings that grit. Sort of has had a little bit of a slow start, but they've been blowing people out yeah. in those wins. And then on the other side, James Harden. I think, you know, a lot of people have sort of expected a little bit more mm. considering Kyrie Irving is out. So I'm curious to see which point guard will have a bigger night that will indicate a win. So that, Ramona, is why I'm watching that one. Well, point guard, though, okay. that late game with Portland and Memphis, oh, and Dan. Yes. But if you guys are taking point guards and I got to take big men, I want to see Giannis versus Carl Anthony okay. Towns. Point, yeah. point center Giannis. Yeah. That's, there's yeah, there's that kind works. of like 
a, a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah. That shakes out. I mean, and I feel like Carl Anthony Towns, he is always, he wants to face the toughest, the hardest guys. He wants to, to really go up against. That, that's when he raises his level, is when he's playing a guy like Giannis Attentacumpo, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I like how, you know, you, well, I thought you were going to go with the guards. Or I thought you were going to go with the guards. Or you go with the I bigs. I go with the bigs. like, yeah, today I don't have to take the bigs because Malika is taking the bigs. But we will see maybe who folks are well, in that late game. Okay, so us on the West Coast, we get to stay. Yeah, it's not even late for us. No, it's not. Huh? Game two for 24 from three so far this season. He's got to turn it around. I think that will improve. It, Starting I mean, tonight. Yeah, so you're, so you're saying tonight is going to be Dame time. Oh, yeah. Well, tonight is going to be Dame time. Can we do the little Absolutely. TikTok? I don't know what to watch on. My brother. Yeah, it, it, okay. it, it's, it's totally fine. But TikTok, you know why? <laughs> because it's time for NFL Live. We get to throw it over to my girl, Laura Rutledge. But we will see you back here tomorrow on NBA Today to break down the best games of tonight and look ahead to what's on the slate for tomorrow. Have fun with NFL Live. Girls in the house. It's, it's, it's oatmeal and mac and, mac and cheese both.